Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen. Let's get down to business to podcast the films. Did they send me movies when I asked for films? Because it's Mike and Mike go to the movies and we haven't got a clue. How can I make podcasts out of you? Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. That was good. Really <laughs> crushed all the syllables lining up with everything. You did it. You did a good job. Thank you. That was one of those things where I was kind of meant to be like a placeholder intro while I thought of something better. And then, <laughs> and then I, did, I never thought of something better, so I had to roll with it. But uh, yeah, it is Mike and Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. And joining me, as always, is a man who knows there was no driver in the car. Mike Tricia. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing just grand. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I think we need to take a moment to really appreciate all the effort you put into doing the intros because uh, <laughs> yeah. they're just great every time. They, they've gotten increasingly musical over the last year, and I, they, I don't know why that is. I'm sure it's definitely not a sign of a deteriorating mental state, but <laughs> it's a good job. It's, it's incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's your definitely a producer on a radio show skills shining through. <laughs> That was my thing when I was a, a producer on the the Boris and Robin show back in New York. My like bit on the show was that I would just create theme songs for every segment that uh, <laughs> they would do. And it was always me singing the songs and I was not good at creating them. But that was also part of the charm, I think. Uh, of but, course. Uh, what was my favorite? I, my favorite one that I ever did. This was one of my favorites was uh, we did a contest where we were giving away tickets to go see uh, the Doobie Brothers. uh, (laughs) And I we played a game called You Be a Doobie. I think the idea behind the game (laughs) was that, uh, you know, people would call up. uh, We would give them Doobie Brothers lyrics and they would have to, like, sing the next lyric in the song. Like we would cut it off to a certain point and then they would have to sing the rest of it. Uh, And so my theme song for it was based on the theme song from (laughs) Scooby-Doo. (laughs) <laughs> and it went of course it was and it went you be a doobie yes you be you can be a doobie that's actually incredible <laughs> i was really proud of that one and then i was very proud of my shaggy impression at the end because i went doobie doo where are you <laughs> it was a classic uh hell yeah that was one of my top theme songs ever uh and there's a few there's actually like i have i don't work for that show anymore it's been a couple of years uh but they still use some of my old theme songs uh for the games that they play and stuff just oh. because you know they're parts of the show uh, like i look forward to one day coming back to new york when uh when covid restrictions uh and the actual virus itself eases up and uh when i do i hope to tune in one day and hear my voice on the radio even though i'm not on the radio over there <laughs> <laughs> Your lasting legacy to the uh, Hudson Valley region. Exactly. My lasting legacy to the Hudson Valley is a uh, crappy 30 second theme songs uh, that I made in like 10 minutes. <laughs> is your shaggy impression. Yes, absolutely. Uh, how you been doing, Mike? How's, how's things been going with you over the last week? Oh, uh, it's fine. There's no updates. Uh, it's quarantine. <laughs> we talked about I listened to uh, I believe it was our Independence Day episode of Golden Pod where we were like, maybe we should stop asking how we're doing because it's been the same answer for 10 months. This uh, is also <laughs> true. So should we, should we come up with we didn't really come to a conclusion on this, but should we come up with a new question to start the podcast with? I mean, we could, but that's got to take work to think about. So that's we'll true. figure something out. You don't want to just riff a question right now uh, like I don't know what's <laughs> I, I can see why you don't want to, because I can't think of any at the moment. Exactly. Actually. It's hard. <laughs> uh, we don't have a firm topic that I could ask you a pertinent question about because we're just freeform discussions, baby. Yeah, uh, it's like jazz. So it's we're tough. jazzing on that saxophone ski. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's a that's holdover. A that's a holdover joke from our Goldblum podcast, <laughs> uh, which we recorded uh, like a few minutes ago. And for some reason, we made a lot of lush life references. <laughs> 
<laughs> a real deep cut. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think I think a recent favorite on that show. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, at least among us. I don't know about who else. Yeah, really. we're the only people that matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's the important thing. So, uh, yeah, today we're just doing some discussions, you know, talking about some of the stuff we've been watching lately. Uh, and then next week, we'll probably get into some uh, Let's Rank. Uh, actually, before we get into discussions, Mike, because I am going to want to review this movie on the podcast because we were originally supposed to back in, you know, 2020 when it was supposed to come out. Uh, and we lined up a guest and everything. Our our buddy Nick is going to be a guest on it. I haven't talked to him about it since the trailer dropped, but did you watch the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong? No, Mike, I'm unsullied. Come on. (laughs) Fair enough. That's what I thought you would say. Uh, I will say I watched it and then I watched it again. And then I watched it again. Uh, I'm kind of excited for it now. Hell yeah. Uh, Which, to be fair, I was also excited for Godzilla King of the Monsters. uh, And that movie was not super great. uh, But... This one looks like it is just going to be like nonstop Godzilla and Kong Carnage. Also, it has Rebecca Hall saying ridiculous lines of dialogue, uh, which uh, like it's it's so funny watching the trailer. And again, I know you're unsullied and you probably won't watch this trailer, but the way the trailer builds is so good. It's like a full minute of like them building up King Kong, right? It's like, right. you know, Kong is coming back from the island and they're like, we need King Kong now more than ever and all that, all that kind of stuff. And then you start seeing like these scales coming in from the water and you see Godzilla emerge and attack a few like helicopters. And Rebecca Hall gives the most resigned, like it's Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) I saw one that was like, Godzilla's hurting people and I need to help him. Uh, (laughs) No, it's it's Kyle Kyle Chandler is shouting like Godzilla is hurting people and we don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And and then there's another one later in the trailer where uh, I, I forget who says it, but like who will bow first? And Rebecca Hall like defiantly goes, Kong bows to no one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I'm saying is this movie's going to win best screenplay of the Oscars. It's going to sweep the Academy Awards. Uh, it's going to rule. I'm very excited about it. I'm in. I'm 100 percent in. Yeah. Uh, this one, of course, uh, directed by Adam Wingard, who uh, is a director I like, but uh, hasn't. I mean, I liked Blair Witch more than most people did, but I know most people did not like that movie so much and uh death note was really bad uh so i'm i'm hoping that this is like a big comeback for him because uh you're next in the guest are so so good but uh yeah godzilla versus kong i'm excited about it it's gonna hit uh, hbo max at the end of march uh and I, I i was telling you before there's a possibility that i may be in the next phase of like the vaccine getting for montana um mm-hmm. you know we'll see what happens like if there's people who before me who need it absolutely they can get it uh but if i end up getting the vaccine within the next couple of months like before march 25th i'm absolutely going to the theater here in Montana to go see Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> It'll be time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did see a couple of people, uh, or at least one person, saying that, like, I really hope they uh, re-release a lot of these movies into theaters, like, in 2022 or something. Yeah. And they said that, like, if I don't get to see King Kong versus Godzilla on the biggest screen possible while absolutely shit-wasted, what's even the point? <laughs> um, which, like, honestly... Now I'm kind of on board that this movie has to be in theater training. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just watching the trailer, I was like, man, that looks so good. I'm already like making plans to like go over to my girlfriend's uh, sister's house because they got the big like 80 inch TV with a sound bar now and everything like that yep. seems like that might be the place to watch it if I can't go to watch it in theaters. Uh, but I am very excited for Godzilla versus Kong. There was actually news today that uh, AMC theaters, they just uh, like announced that they like got a bunch of new investors and they basically raised like nine hundred million dollars to basically keep them open for the next few months. Uh, which wow. which is good, but also it took that much money to keep them open for the next few months. Like, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so hey, we'll see what happens with theaters. A lot of movies. Uh, like There's another like push of delays that have been happening over the last week uh, with No Time to Die and Quiet Place 2 and all that stuff kind of getting pushed to September again. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully theaters survive. We'll see. Yeah, we'll uh, find out. Yeah. In the meantime. Plenty of stuff for us to watch at home. A lot of movies. Uh, I, like I said, I've been uh, kind of catching up on uh, some 2020 releases and uh, kind of dipping into some older uh, stuff, too. And uh, Mike has been watching some stuff, too, playing some video games and all that. Oh, by the way, I beat Shadow of Mordor. Uh, nice. <laughs> which uh, is really, really fun. If you haven't played Shadow of Mordor, which is a seven year old game, that is basically Lord of the Rings set in the Assassin's Creed world or the other way around. Uh, other, way around. other way around. Assassin's Creed set in the Lord of the Rings world. Uh, play it. It rules. Uh, it's great. And and now I've started playing the uh, Destroy All Humans remake, uh, which came out this past summer, which is fun. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. I feel like maybe I held on to the memory of how good Destroy All Humans was a little too long. And now I'm playing it. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, I'm enjoying it. It's funny. 
<laughs> um, but it's yeah. not it's not as great a game as I remember it being, I guess. I remember like, I d- didn't play that or, you know, I had no interest in the remake. I didn't play the original either, but I saw a review of it where they talked about saying that, like, they kind of just kept it the same and didn't, like, quite update the controls to, like, modern standards and yeah. stuff like that, that, like, it would have really benefited from. Because, like, now it's kind of just, like, annoying. Uh, it's sort <laughs> of the thing that I saw, the reaction I saw yeah. to the controls and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's still, like, fun. Like, I, like I'm nostalgic for the game, and I lo- like, I love Destroy Humans as a kid. Uh, yeah, but I was like playing it and I was like, this seems different than I remember. And then I realized, I think I played more of Destroy All Humans 2 than I did the first Destroy All Humans, <laughs> which which has more of like an explorable sandbox that you can just kind of go around and kill people with your disintegrator ray and all that stuff. And this is more like, OK, individual missions, go, go like that. Right. And it's still fun, but it's not maybe as the game. Once they make a remake of Destroy All Humans 2, then I'll be excited. I'm going to finish it and then start Miles Morales Spider-Man. Uh, so nice. I'm looking forward to that. What you been playing, Mike? Destiny 2 still? Not so much Destiny 2. Uh, I actually started picking up Squad again, uh, which is a PC shooter game. Uh, that's another military simulation kind of thing. I sort of talked about Escape from Tarkov last week, I think, or yeah. the week before. That's more like survival kind of thing. Squad is just like military simulation. It's uh, two teams of 50 on a ba- on a map, uh, you know, kind of ob- objective based, sort of like Battlefield. Um, yeah. But sort of more on the, you know, realistic weapon end of the spectrum. And uh, the cool thing is, so there's like proximity chat, which like, you know, you talk to anyone near you and then your squad that you're in, uh, you're all connected with the radio. So you can talk to your radio, you talk to your squad. Uh, but then the other squad leaders can talk to the other squad leaders. Otherwise, you can't radio to other people. Uh, so it's like you have to have this teamwork and coordination between the squad leaders of who needs reinforcements where. And like there's kind of a I don't know, it's like a fun, neat, tactical kind of game. Uh, right. Except it is it is very dependent on your squad leader, because uh, like obviously they're the ones that have to coordinate with the other squads and the rest <laughs> of the team. It's like sometimes you get in a server and you're playing where just like nobody's talking and you're just like running five minutes to the next objective and then you die and then you respawn at the last objective and you have to do it again because you're not getting orders. You don't know what's going on. Nobody's there's no teamwork aspect of it. But like when you find one, and it's just like everybody's communicating and it clicks. It's like the coolest shit ever. I found one. I had like the best gaming experience where it was the name of the squad. Cause like you can name, you know, the squad leaders can name it when they create it, it was like air cavalry. Uh, so it was like, we had one helicopter pilot, the squad leader and then the rest of us. Uh, and like, literally we would just, the squad leader would be like, okay, you know, squad two needs help. And the helicopter would come pick us up, fly us to squad two, drop us off in the middle of like a hot firefight. And we would like, you know, reinforce the squad. And then the helicopter would come back, pick us up. They're okay. Squad five needs help. And we'd go to that fight. And it was just like, you know, this really awesome experience, uh, that sometimes happens. Sometimes you run five minutes and then die and then do it over <laughs> and over again. Otherwise you get really cool shit. Yeah. So I've been playing a lot of that and it's long, like each match, the time limit on each match is two hours. So it kind of eats up a lot of time. I haven't really ever played one that goes the full time limit. If you're looking for that kind of like military simulation, tactical teamwork, battlefield experience, uh, I recommend squad. Nice. All right. So, uh, by the way, it's been uh, 13 minutes in this podcast, so I might as well tell you that all the theme songs you can hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. Nice. And our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. If you ever want to contact us, respond to something we did in the show, you can email us over at Mike Mike Go to the Movies at gmail.com. And now let's get off the video games, Mike. Let's talk about movies in our discussions. Watch this. All right, it's time for our discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Mike, what you been watching lately? Uh, yeah, so like I mentioned with Squad, it's like it can be up to two hours. So it kind of eats up a lot of my time. Yeah, that's um, fair. Which is why I haven't been watching a ton of movies the last few weeks. OK, uh, but some of the things I did watch. First off, I want to talk about is uh, the 2020 release from, I think, October ish. Halloween area uh, was a Shutter original called Scare Me. So anyway, obviously, the werewolf hears all of this because, you know, he's, he's half dog or whatever. He's, so he starts lurking up the up the stairs. He's What's, lumbering, up, lumbering the stairs. up the stairs. Yeah, he starts lumbering up the stairs like. Show me that lumber. Ooh, breathe like a werewolf. Breathe. Ooh. 
and this stars Josh Rubin and Aya Cash, and they're basically the only two people in it. There's a couple other characters uh, here and there, but the plot is Josh Rubin, who I, I know him as like college humor adjacent. Like he's never been a main cast guy on college humor. Okay. But like he's friends with them. So like he's in a couple of skits and like they have their own streaming service now called dropout. They have like a fake game show and like a lot of stuff and he's like involved. Um, so that's how my experience to him. But I think he's just like an actor comedian guy uh, and he wrote and directed and stars in this movie. The plot is he's this writer, like a guy that wants to be a novelist. So he rents a cabin in upstate New York. And I think it's the Adirondacks. Like they talk about, like they mentioned Wappinger's Falls. Uh, which is pretty cool which is like you know we went to school in Albany so it's like oh I know where that is Um, (laughs) I mean Wapnews Falls is like five minutes from my house actually that's like oh what really yeah that's like that's like the town right next to mine oh shit okay yeah so I guess it's the Catskills then maybe Uh, Catskills be further up but yeah it's it's around around there yeah anyway upstate New York uh, generally (laughs) Uh, right and he's gonna go write his great novel Uh, and while he goes out for a jog one morning uh, he meets somebody that's staying in the cabin across from him and it turns out that this is who's played by Aya Cash, who she is a best-selling horror novelist and he wants to write like a werewolf novel. Right. Uh, And he's like, oh, like we should we should compare notes. Like, you know, like he's trying to act all cool. And she's like, you're like, you're nobody. Get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of blows him off. Rightfully so. Uh, And then the power goes out that night. So she goes over to his cabin and is like, hey, like, you know, hey, is the power going out? You know, what's happening over here? Let's tell each other ghost stories. And that is kind of the the first act, the setup of the movie. And then from there, they like take turns trying to scare each other. And and Fanny is who's Aya Cash's character is like critiquing his storytelling and like, you know, being a best selling author in this really awesome, powerful way. Yeah. <laughs> like you're a ch- like you're a chump. Shut up. This is how you do a ghost story. <laughs> and then she like, you know, does her whole thing. Uh, and like, you know, as the movie progresses, Weirder and weirder shit starts happening. Related to the stories they're telling, and is it is it real? And uh, there's this kind of funny thing that the movie does. Or uh, in the beginning, there's like you hear like thump thump like of someone going upstairs and then like a door creaking open and it's like showing it happening and then it cuts back to josh rubin and he's like doing the sound effects himself like <laughs> like he's <laughs> like imagining these things happening and then it yeah. starts to bleed into the story and is uh, what's real and what's not yeah and it's fun it's very funny i think it's pretty cool and it is just a kind of two three two slash three person cast eventually uh they order pizza <laughs> <laughs> that guy that guy joins in and it's very fun. Yeah, Scare Me, it's a Shutter original. Definitely recommend just kind of like a loosey-goosey horror comedy. Pretty pretty uh original, unique plot, I think. Nice. All right, so that's Scare Me and that's available on Shutter. I have not watched that one uh even though I've been trying to catch up on a lot of the big 2020 releases. That one kind of slipped into my radar, I feel like a little bit. Yeah, uh, I feel like it got some big buzz and like Shudder kind of pushed it pretty hard. I think it got a very strong reception when it first came out in October. Yeah. And, you know, like the streaming things are weird. It's like they don't advertise till after, um, you yeah. know, like a lot. You know, the, I mean, sometimes there's like an advertising campaign for like maybe like a Netflix, like for your consideration, like we're bringing you Mank or something like there'll yeah. be trailers for it or something. But yeah, a lot of the times something will just pop up on streaming and then like you'll hear about it from like critics or people who ended up watching it because it was just like on their TV. Uh, yeah, you know, like like streaming has completely changed the way we watch <laughs> watch stuff and like know what to watch, basically. Yeah. And then Shudder was like, oh, shit. Oh, look, uh, here's a thing. And then they like, kind of promoted it and stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's gotten a little bit of a push and I definitely do recommend it. OK, cool. So that's scare me. And that's on Shudder. I have a couple of new releases I want to talk about, including my very first 2021 movie, the, the first movie that was officially a 2021 release. And it's an HBO Max original and it's called Locked Down. And as you might expect, it's covid related. It's a fucking <laughs> I hate it. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, you know, what? I, I sort of had the same reaction when I first heard this was being made, which they announced this movie like three months ago or something like that. Uh, the movie's directed by Doug Lyman, who was the director of The Bourne Identity, uh, <laughs> S- Swingers and Edge of Tomorrow and, uh, you know, a lot of big movies, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And it's written by Stephen Knight, who most recently wrote and directed uh, the movie Serenity with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, which is a terrible movie, uh, but <laughs> but one that a lot of people got very obsessed with because in just the specific way that it is terrible, mm-hmm. uh, like one of those kind of things. What was interesting about Lockdown and the reason I wanted to watch it is because I watched the trailer for this movie and the trailer was pretty good and it promised 
something that I actually kind of wanted to see, which was it's a movie that's set during the pandemic, during COVID, but it's a heist movie. And it had like Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel Ejiofor as the two leads. Uh, and they're like this couple who broke up, but then had to stay like sheltered in place together because of the lockdown. Uh, and then like as they're sheltered in place, they decide to pull off like this big heist. And I assumed because that was the trailer, that would be the plot of the movie. And I was like, OK, I'm kind of into that. And like it's using like the world of covid to inform a heist movie like, you know, certain places have a lot less security now because, you know, of covid restrictions Like there's less right. people at buildings and things like that. There's interesting avenues for you to take that in. Uh, the movie does not become a heist movie until like the last 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and the first like hour and 30 minutes are mostly just Anne Hathaway and Chiyote Geo for fighting. And it's kind of fun at first because the dialogue is somewhat snappy and there's some funny moments. But it's a, it's a very overwritten movie. And like half of it is just like giving Anne Hathaway very long monologues that she, that she can right. do her actory thing in, which she's very good in. Uh, but it is one of those things where like you, you get the sense like Anne Hathaway did this movie just to get like some acting in while <laughs> while everything's being locked down because she's such a theater kid, you know, and yeah. like you got to get that performance out there and stuff like that. So you can tell like there's it's such a mannered performance. And again, it's good. Like she's good in the movie. I like Anne Hathaway a lot. I think she's really great. But it is just like like after like the third or fourth monologue, I was like, Jesus Christ, we have to, we have to yeah. move this along, get to the heist stuff. And the weird thing is you can like easily restructure this movie. A, it's two hours long. It should be an hour and a half. Half of the movie is Zoom calls, which is kind of a bummer. Weird. <laughs> Uh, and it's and it's weird, too, because a lot of the Zoom calls like are well-known people. So it's like Ben Kingsley plays a character in this movie. Ben Stiller is in this movie. Mindy Kaling is in this movie. <laughs> like there's what? some well-known people that kind of pop up, but they're all on Zoom calls. So it's one of those things where like, oh, you must have paid these people like a thousand bucks or whatever to pop in on their computer and like do five minutes of a scene and then be gone. Like that's yeah. basically kind of what it feels like. So it's kind of interesting on that front. Yeah, just because, you know, it's a movie made during the pandemic and it's about the pandemic and that's kind of interesting, uh, sort of in the way that like, like I'm really fascinated about like World War II movies that were made while World War II was happening. You know, like that's yeah, that's something that fascinates me. And like movies like The Great Dictator, that uh, Charlie Chaplin movie, uh, which was made in 1940, like right before America got into World War II. Uh, and it's all like this Hitler allegory and like kind of lampooning Hitler, but also like this plea for peace and love, not hate and all that stuff. And it's a really interesting movie, especially because Hitler was rising to power at the time. You right. know, <laughs> like it's completely like we look at it now as like this historical artifact. But now, like at the time, it was this very, very current thing. And Locked Down is sort of this very current thing about the pandemic. But it's also just, man, it's it gets boring after, <laughs> after <Yeah>. a little <laughs> while. If I had really committed to the heist premise, I think I would have liked this a lot more. That's fair. I somehow didn't even hear about this movie. OK, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but if you do want to watch it, it's available on HBO Max. Uh, it's got Anne Hathaway. So there's that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I watched Lockdown and then a uh, much better movie that I watched recently, actually. And this is a 2020 release, uh, which was in theaters for uh, a little bit. I think still is. But, you know, it's it's also one of those movies that like three weeks after it hit theaters, it went straight to VOD. And that is Promising Young Woman. I just thought that you were drunk. Yeah. Really drunk. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I'm not. That's good, isn't it? I think you should leave. Oh, now you want me to leave? No, I just, I'm really high. Like I'm really fucking high right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I think you should go. But a second ago, you were determined for me to stay. You were pretty insistent, actually. I'm a nice guy. Are you? I thought we had a connection, I guess. A connection? Okay. What do I do for a living? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. How old am I? How long have I lived in the city? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Directed by Emerald Fennell, who is uh, also an actress. She's appeared in a few things. I think she was the showrunner 
of Killing Eve season two for a little while, or she was a writer on that show or something like that, whatever it is. Um, but this is a movie I was very excited to see uh, coming out of Sundance. Like this movie played at Sundance last year and it got a, you know, a pretty well-reviewed response and uh, it was a little bit divisive, but I was you know really curious to see it. And then I saw the trailer for it and I was like, oh, this looks really cool because it looks like a rape revenge movie uh, from the perspective of this, this very female empowerment perspective. Carrie Mulligan is the star of this movie and the trailer made it, the trailer did make it look like something it's not. Kind of like Lockdown, although the movie here is a lot better than, than <laughs> Lockdown, I think. The, the plot of this movie is that Carrie Mulligan is this woman who basically every weekend goes out to bars and pretends to be drunk and waits for like some nice guy to take her home. And uh, then, you know, when he tries to make a move on her, she, you know, kind of attacks him or assaults him or, you know, just kind of yells at him and that kind of thing. That's basically like what she does because of a trauma in her past, which I'm not going to really get into due to spoilers and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a very different movie than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and a much more difficult movie to wrap your head around just in terms of like, some of the stuff that happens within the movie. Uh, but I think it is a very rewarding watch. I think Carrie Mulligan's incredible in it. Uh, Bo Burnham is in this movie too, uh, which is really fun. Uh, Cause I'm a huge, yeah. like, I, I used to be such a huge Bo Burnham fan uh, when he was doing stand up, And I actually recently rewatched uh, his make happy special, which was the last special he did Ugh. before he kind of retired uh, from stand up. And uh, man, so fucking good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just an unbelievable uh, like hour of stand like not even stand up comedy anymore. It's more like this like weird performance piece. But I, I really love that one. And then, you know, he's kind of left stand up behind and he directed eighth grade, which was really great and all that stuff. He's popped up in a few things here and there. He was in the big sick and uh, like a bit part and stuff. But uh, he is like the major supporting role in this movie as this guy who starts a relationship with Carrie Mulligan. Uh, and I think it really uses Bo Burnham's like inherent likability to its advantage um, because he's a pretty likable guy who can who can act like an asshole like on a dime if you've seen a yeah. up and stuff this movie really plays into that in a really interesting way uh so yeah promising young woman uh, it's available on video on demand and in theaters right now and uh definitely worth watching uh it's it's also one that like has gotten a surprising amount of awards buzz uh over the last couple of weeks which uh, you know if it, if it had been released in april like it was supposed to i don't think it probably would have but because it's like now it's like you know, got to like because of COVID and now it's being released like in the middle of like awards season, you know, could uh, could get some great recognition, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, Promising Young Woman uh, worth checking out. Yeah, I mean, this is one that I saw. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I it's on my been on my radar for a while to the point where like I saw people being like, oh, my God, Promising Young Woman's out. And I was like, isn't it wasn't it out already? Like, did this happen? Like, <laughs> like it was, Yeah, it was supposed to be out back in like April is what it was. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, I, I think a lot of the reviews you saw were probably out of Sundance and stuff like that. So that's like right. way early 20. 2020. Yeah, yeah, that was like the early buzz for it. Uh, and I remember seeing trailers for it in theaters and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's been on my radar. And then now, yeah, it's out of it. It's available. I'll, I'll probably watch it at some point because I have heard some interesting things. I do know it is, you know, kind of trigger warning -y, uh, sort of thing. I mean, it is obviously like a rape revenge situation. Uh, yeah, so I, I'll probably check it out. It seems interesting. If at least to be part of the cultural conversation, you know? Yes, sure. Which is always important. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, everyone needs to know everything that's going on in the culture at all times. Yes. Uh, Finger on but, the pulse here at Mike and Mike. Yeah, I will say there's there's especially one moment in the movie that almost derails the entire thing. And when it happens, and I won't say what it is uh, because you really kind of have to experience it for yourself. Uh, but when it happens, uh, my girlfriend kind of turned to me and said, I don't think I like this movie anymore. <laughs> like, I think this, that, like that one scene completely ruined the movie for her. But then we stuck with it and it kind of redeems itself from that. Like it, it is it, it takes a long time to get there. <laughs> right. Uh, but like the thing that happens is. I, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to say the thing that happens. Cause especially if I say it out of context, you're going to be like, well, I can't watch this movie. Now. Right. Uh, but if you stick with the movie after the thing that happens, it does explain what happened, I guess. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, promising young woman, watch at your own discretion, but I think it is very, very good. A very bold movie to watch in 2020 and uh, definitely worth watching. So yeah, that is uh, the latest that I've been watching. I've got a few more later, but first Mike, what are you, what you've been watching lately? Uh, what have I been watching? So uh, this past weekend I had, had uh, kind of nothing going on. Actually, yesterday, Sunday, had nothing going on. Had a bunch of laundry. Uh, I was like, okay, I got to watch some movies. Yeah. And I hopped, hopped in our my friend's Discord uh, where we just kind of hang out. And I said, hey, I'm going to be watching Underwater if anyone wants to hang out with me <laughs> yeah. while I do my laundry. Yeah. And uh, art supervisor Jake uh, was like, hell yeah, I'm around. So we hopped in. I watched, uh, threw up, pulled up HBO Max, put on Underwater. 
And uh, this is, you know, came out last January. Kristen Stewart, T.J. Miller, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah. Although <laughs> this movie was shot like before all the T.J. Miller stuff started yeah. happening, right? Like all the all the weird. I mean, there was abuse allegations of T.J. Miller. And then also like he set off a bomb or something. Like wasn't he that called in a bomb threat on somebody? Yeah. yeah which was super weird. Wild. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's from a couple of years before all that happened or was made public. Uh, yeah. So there's that Vincent Cassell is in this movie. But yeah, it's a I mean, it's underwater. It's in the title, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, disaster strikes this kind of utter underwater drill uh, thing. And it's like kind of this, you know, fight for survival type deal. And there's monsters, maybe. And then definitely monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, this movie, you know, it's movies a year old, so I don't need to spoil that. Or that's not quite a spoiler that there are monsters in it. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of wanted to watch this because one uh, producer, Colin, loves this movie. And it's become like a kind of running bit in our group chat with one of our other friends who thinks this is like awful, like the stupidest, really? the dumbest thing. Who cares? The mo- like, <laughs> It's like his argument is like, man, they're like, it just starts. I don't care about the characters yet. And then bad things are happening to them. And uh, Colin is like, no, but that's the best part. And I think I'm on team Colin for this. Like the fact that it just starts with the disaster and we don't know anything yet. And it's just cool fucking action. There's a lot of like weird slow-mo shit happening, which is fucking cool. It's just beautifully shot. There's a lot of like handheld first person found footage stuff, uh, which is I typically don't like, but I think works in this a lot. It builds a lot of tension. Yeah, um, it is deployed very coolly, I think. Yeah, man. Fucking underwater rules. I'm so glad I finally watched it. And also there's a uh, aquatic horror episode of Screen Drafts that just came out, uh, which I assume this will make the list based on who the guests are. So I was kind of okay. like, I want to do a little homework. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's available on HBO Max right now. And yeah, man, underwater. What a fucking blast. Nice. All right. So that's underwater. I actually saw this movie in theaters uh, back in January 2020 when it was released uh, in the before times. Yeah. Uh, And I remember thinking it was like just okay. Like I wasn't like crazy into it, but I really liked the last 20 minutes. Like once uh, once like it's just Kristen Stewart and like a giant monster. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'm pretty into this. Uh, So I would like to rewatch it again, maybe at some point. And uh, I I remember like like maybe because it was like, oh, it's January. I'm going to go see a horror movie. Like they always suck, like whatever. So I maybe had that attitude going into it. uh, And I kind of wrote it off as like it's alien, but underwater. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, that is one thing I got. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it, it makes sense that this movie sort of flopped. And I've heard uh, the director has been on a couple podcasts recently uh, that I've listened to where he had like four movies come out this year because through various circumstances, like this movie was filmed a couple years ago and then right. got shelved in the Disney Fox merger so that this is the last ever movie to have 20th Century Fox as its opening credit or whatever. Like so it's the weird. last movie released under that banner. Yeah. Uh, so like it got stuck for a couple years in that whole thing. Uh, so like it's kind of like weird film history thing that it will hold forever now. <laughs> <It's> this kind <laughs> of monster movie that bombed. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon with the lights off, this movie fucking slaps, dude. All right. uh, like, you you know, throw it on the big TV and just hang out and watch Kristen Stewart and Vincent Cassell try to not die to monsters. It's fun. <laughs> nice. That's uh, that's Brian Duffield, right? Who directed this movie uh, underwater? Think, yes. Who, who also did uh, uh, spontaneous, spontaneous, which we talked about uh, in, our, in our last discussions. Yes. Which I have watched. And uh, I really like spontaneous. Uh, worth watching that, too. I don't think you've seen that yet, right? No, I haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that is underwater and it's available on HBO Max right now. And uh, yeah, definitely worth a look, especially if you're gearing up for Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to get your giant monsters uh, in. Definitely a good one to uh, go for. I mean, just the balls of where this movie ends is yeah. like, Mwah. <laughs> yeah, the the ending is truly great. Uh, I, yeah. I was a big fan of the ending. The, like the, the last the first like hour or so, I wasn't like crazy into it, but I do want to rewatch it and like see if I like it more now that I know where it's going a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah, so that's underwater HBO Max. I got a few more uh, recent releases to talk about here. Uh, the first of which is available on Amazon Prime. It's the new movie directed by Regina King, her uh, directorial debut, uh, and it's One Night in Miami. You no, know when I'm being watched, Sam. Paranoia is really cramping my style now. Come on, just because you can't see bugs don't mean they ain't in the house, Sam. Up on this dirty ass roof. Why don't you be like Bing Crosby about that shit, man, and accentuate the motherfucking positive? Look at this view. I bet they're doing them for me. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> it's nice, ain't it, Malcolm? Yeah, it's most definitely soothing, Cass. Yeah, up here is cooler. Far away from the prying eyes of your G-men. 
Yeah, you joke all you want, Sam. Tell him it's got worse since the tension between me and Mr. Muhammad. Well, I met with a writer in New York a few weeks back. There were two guys following us through the airport. I swear it was the same two. I thought you didn't trust writers. No. This one was a brother, and well, this meeting was important. I figure I better start getting my life story documented in my own words while I can. Uh, which have you seen? Have you seen much about uh, One Night in Miami, Mike? No, but I know what it's about only because I happened to watch a Sam Cooke documentary a year okay. or two ago, and they talk <laughs> about the like real life events of okay. this. Yeah, interesting. So this is actually this movie is a fictionalized account, but it is inspired by a true story. Uh, basically, like right after Muhammad Ali became the heavyweight champion of the world, uh, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke all just like hung out in a hotel together. Uh, yeah. And this movie like imagines like what did they talk about? <laughs> Like that's those are four incredibly fascinating people and four incredibly different people too. Uh, you know, kind of in all walks of life and all measures of success and you know in at different points in their lives at that point. And so, like, what was going on there? And the answer is, I mean, according to this movie, they fought a little bit. They got into <laughs> a lot of arguments, uh, but it was a large. A, the movie is largely about Muhammad Ali, then known as Cassius Clay kind of making the decision, kind of goaded by Malcolm X to join uh, Islam, to, you know, become a Muslim. And, you know, obviously he does. That's <laughs> that's right. a big part of Muhammad Ali's legacy. But it is about him wrestling with that decision and talking to Malcolm X and Sam Cooke trying to talk him out of it a little bit. And, uh, you know, Sam Cooke talking about his place where it's like he's the only one of those that white, like those four guys that white people like. Uh, and they're talking about their, you know, representation in the civil rights movement and all that stuff. This movie is great. Uh, it is really, really great. The screenplay is very sharp. It's based on a play and you can sort of feel that a little bit because it's four actors in a room together for most of its, <laughs> its <laughs> run time. Uh, but I really loved it and the performances are so, so good, especially uh, Kingsley Benadir who plays Malcolm X. Uh, I think he's great, but also Leslie Odom Jr. who plays Sam Cooke. He was a standout for me. Uh, Leslie oh. Odom Jr. who was uh, Aaron Burr in Hamilton. Uh, he plays Sam Cooke and the moment he, like he sings a few times throughout this movie and he like just so expertly like captures the essence of Sam Cooke and like, you know, the movie uh, ends with him uh, premiering one of the songs on the, on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and like, just man, it's transcendent. It's it's so, so good. Uh, so yeah, One Night in Miami. It's available on Amazon Prime right now and it, it was one of the more like talked about movies that played at the virtual film festivals that happened <laughs> over the last yeah. few months uh, and now it's finally out and uh, definitely worth watching. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely another one that's sort of been like like on my radar, uh, like you said, it got a lot of buzz this past year. So I'm glad it's finally out. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, definitely. So that's One Night in Miami. And then I also wanted to mention a movie that uh, came out back in September, but I didn't want to pay the $30 to watch it. And I figured I'd wait until it was free. Uh, and I'm glad I did. It, it is uh, the Disney live action remake of Mulan. <laughs> um, oh, to defeat yeah. the Huns. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody who listens to this podcast may know. We're not the biggest fans of the, the Disney live action remakes. Uh, no, no yeah. <laughs> right here. Uh, and I've talked about them uh, quite a bit in the past. We we reviewed the Lion King remake when that came out. And, you know, I, I think there are some decent ones here and there. I really like Pete's Dragon of all the movies that they've done so far. I think Pete's Dragon is very, very good. Uh, outside of that, I mean, the Lion King, pointless. Beauty and the Beast, pointless. Aladdin, Kind of a fun Will Smith performance, but pointless, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was the Tim Burton Dumbo, which is OK, I guess. And, you know, there, there's a lot of them. And Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, which is the worst movie ever, that's ever been made. Um, <laughs> but this new one, this new Mulan, I was kind of interested in mostly because it doesn't seem like it, was, it didn't seem like it was just retreading Mulan. You know, it was actually taking like a different approach to doing it than just doing the animated movie again, but in live action, which a right. lot of these Disney, Disney live action remakes actually tend to do. Uh, so this one's uh, directed by Nikki Caro and uh, there's, it's not a musical say that straight up. There's no songs in this movie. You won't hear be a man at all, which a little bit of a bummer because that song is awesome. Uh, however, I've never been the biggest fan of like the rest of the Mulan soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> So, well, like, I, I feel like it's not that big of a loss to turn this into not a musical. Also, Mushu's not in this movie, which is no, really the biggest loss. That That is kind of a big loss, too. But again, it's, it's also would be a difficult character to do in live action. I mean, you could do it. Like, he can do like a little motion capture Mushu guy. Like, I'm sure it could happen. It could could be done. Uh, but I fear it would look like, you know, the horrible candle from Beauty and the Beast or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, like they look so bad in live action uh, and they haven't really cracked that. So I think as far as Mulan, the remake goes, I think it's more interesting than 
almost any other Disney live action remake uh, because it actually has like a sort of new take on Mulan, like, a, you know, changes a lot of stuff in the original movie, but it's still not very good. It's still pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. And it does still, like, even though it changes a lot of stuff, the story itself is still fundamentally the same. And it is just like, you know, the animated movie was better. It, it, not for lack of trying, because I think this one is more visually interesting than most of the remakes. You know, there's great use of color throughout this movie. The cinematography is very good. Costume design is very good. The production of this movie looks good. It's just, you know, kind of boring. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it still like can't compare to the 90 minute cartoon that I watched when I was a kid, basically. <laughs> yeah, this is something that I just have kind of no uh, interest in at all. Uh, yeah. When it came uh, out, it got panned, basically, uh, I think, in the popular culture. And I saw I did also see a lot of like Asian representation criticisms of it in that like it is the crew. I get not crew. Uh, I can't think of the word like the producers and the writers and stuff like that were white people attempting to do a Wuxia movie. Uh, yeah you know and a lot of people are like just don't like why <laughs> like, yeah and it, and it often feels like that so much of the movie is like you know every conversation is like well i must honor my family and like all that stuff like this these very like kind of broad strokes things of chinese culture and yeah all that stuff uh, um but i mean and to its credit there there are a lot of like great asian actors who, like it's obviously an entirely asian cast and yeah. a lot of like terrific veteran asian actors are in this movie uh donnie yen is is in this movie and he's awesome love donnie yen Love Donnie Yen. Uh, he's the best, but uh, yeah, I don't, it just uh, did not work all that much for me. Some of the action is pretty good. We'll say that, you know, there's uh, some cool action scenes kind of sprinkled throughout. But uh, as a narrative, just a uh, man kind of uh, kind of bored me and I kind of wanted Mushu back. <laughs> <laughs> and don't they like they were like, no, it's going to be a serious movie. We can't have Mushu. But then there's like a fucking Phoenix thing, right? That's like people were like, if you're going to do that, just do Mushu. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Phoenix is not like a, a comedy character like Mushu is, I guess. But like, you know, the, the Phoenix is like representative of her rising to the like through the army and like becoming the hero that, you know, all that stuff. I don't know that I by like the halfway point, I was pretty checked out of the movie. Honestly. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I would like kind of look up once in a while and like be watching an action scene and be like, oh, this is cool. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Not the greatest. But uh, uh, like I like I have a weird fascination with these remakes, I guess. Like I, I don't yeah. like that they're making them, but I keep watching them. And you don't you <laughs> haven't enjoyed one since Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon rules, dude. It's really good. I, but you uh, keep going back. Yeah, I keep going back. I don't know why. I mean, I did not watch the Lady in the Tramp remake, which the, which was like a Disney Plus original. Right. And I think that's why. Like, I will probably watch any of these they put out in theaters. Uh, and Mulan was like a weird exception because it was supposed to be out in theaters. But then obviously it wasn't. It was kind of used as like the experiment. Like, oh, could it work if Disney started putting their movies in Disney Plus and charging them for it? Uh, maybe we can make some money that way. And then it sounds like it really didn't. Um, <laughs> because obviously I think if it had worked, we would have they would have already moved like Black Widow Disney Plus and like all these other Disney movies. Like yeah. they all would have done like the thirty dollar premiere subscription Disney Plus thing if Mulan had been a success. But it wasn't. Uh, which <laughs> the ironic thing is, like I probably would have paid thirty bucks for Black Widow. <laughs> like right. I probably I probably would have paid that money. Uh, but the Mulan is just like a movie that I like. I was like, you know, again, weirdly fascinated with the live action remakes that Disney is doing. I'll wait till it's free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. And also that might have been part of it, too, because I was seeing most of these movies like through Movie Pass or AMC Stubbs A-List or whatever it was at the time, too. So right. uh, definitely helps out a little bit. But all right. So that is Mulan, uh, which is available for free now on Disney Plus. I mean, with your Disney Plus subscription. So you are paying for Disney Plus, but you don't have to pay $30 on top of it, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else you've been watching, Mike? Um, so after we watched Underwater and I changed my laundry from the washer to the dryer, I was like, Jake, what are you doing? You still got you still down to hang out? And he was like, hell yeah, man. So we were scrolling through movies, trying to find one. And I was scrolling through Shudder because uh, I know Jake is also a horror movie guy. Yeah, I was like, hey, did you ever get a chance to watch Host? He's like, no. And I was like, fuck, yeah, let's do it. So I threw on Host, <laughs> the Zoom, the Zoom horror movie. I've talked about it a whole bunch uh, already. Yeah. And I was like, look, best part. It's 55 minutes. Let's go. Perfect. <laughs> like and uh, can attest crowd pleaser. It is just kind of a perfect tight little mostly jump scare found footage whatever but it's fun times i enjoy host a lot uh, and i feel like this could be a fun like party you know get your friends together and watch movie uh, nice. going forward uh, yeah, so that, that was in your that was in your top 10 for uh, for 2020, I think. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, my top nine or whatever I had uh, of the yeah. new 2020 <laughs> movies. Um, yeah, I do. I do think it's interesting. I mentioned locks down and then I was like, yeah, it takes place in covid times. And you were like, nope, hard pass. Uh, I, but you're such a big fan of host, which also was a quarantine movie. Also a covid it, movie. It is a quarantine movie and it is 
about quarantine in a grander scheme, but like locked down sounds like it is specifically like you said, the first hour and a half of the movie is about a two, a couple that is split. Like it is about them in lockdown. Yeah. And this is just about an experience in lockdown. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a <laughs> distinction of, between like a movie that is specifically about them quarantining versus yes. a, something that happens while they're quarantined. OK, yeah, I get what you're saying. There's no demonic possessions in lockdown, if uh, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I guess is, that's what I'm saying. So that's that's how we started. I'm not going to dwell on it a whole lot because I've talked about it before. Uh, and then yep. after that, we had I was like, we were like, OK, let's look for something else. And uh, Jake found a movie on uh, Amazon Prime called uh, The Last Days on Mars. It stars uh, Leo Schreiber, a couple other character actor people that I recognized and I didn't write down their names and I don't know why, uh, but it's pretty cool. It's like, you know, a little bit international cast. Uh, and the plot of this movie is this is the first manned team to Mars. Uh, and in, you know, 19 hours, the shuttle is going to or the lander is going to come pick them up uh, yeah. to complete their mission and send them back to Earth while the new team, uh, you know, replaces them. Basically, one of them starts acting pretty strange. He's like, hey, there's this thing that's broken out at, uh, you know, research area two or whatever. I forget. He, he kind of, he makes up some kind of like bullshit. I have to go fix a thing, uh, you know, uh, kind of excuse. And he grabs some guy to go with him. Uh, and it's revealed. He has discovered like microbial life in his like cores, like drilling stuff that he's been, the samples he's been taking. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying, he doesn't want to say anything yet. Cause he wants to make sure it's correct. And he goes out there and the area he's been drilling in collapses and he falls into a cavern and it kind of becomes like this rescue mission sort of thing. And then they discover he's, they discover that he discovered uh, like bacterial life. Uh, and it kind of spirals out from there as he, you know, comes back uh, as something different, maybe uh, and yeah. it kind of, I mean, it, it's pretty, it was like pretty f- fun as a like a triple feature in a weird way of like trapped movies <laughs> like underwater you're trapped you know you're trapped at the bottom of the ocean host yeah. you're trapped in lockdown uh and then last days on bars they're trapped in the space station in the rovers you know as these kind of bacteria begin to evolve and things get weird um yeah so we just kind of had like a weird trapped uh you know i guess reflecting what we've been feeling for the past year uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh kind of movies yeah and then leo schreiber is really good uh i mean it's it's not like anything particularly exciting interesting uh you know last stays on mars i think it is a very fine kind of creepy space horror weird alien movie uh okay i didn't see life but you know the secret venom prequel uh um, yes but you know this could be the prequel to life uh kind of situation okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah makes sense yeah. uh so what, was, what was the movie called again the last days on mars last days on mars yeah from 2013 i think Okay, and that's available on Amazon. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Leo Schreiber in like a alien movie, twenty thirteen. I feel like yeah. I sh- that should have been <laughs> on my radar at some point, but uh, yeah, never was. Yeah, yeah, and I forget the the like main guy, like the captain of the team, uh, or you know the, the expedition or whatever, is a character actor that I was like, oh, it's that dude, uh, and I am completely blanking on. It's not Robert Loja, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Uh, Robert Loja. <laughs> I'm trying, I can't remember what he's been in either, but you you would recognize him. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, okay. it was pretty cool. And then, you know, just, um, you know, this is scary, scary alien trapped in a space station stuff, you know? Nice. All right. So that's host and last days on Mars. And is that a wrap on uh, on your movies, Mike? Yes, that's all the things I watched. Okay, I've got a few more to get through. I'll try to get through them relatively quickly. First off, I got a movie that's available on Netflix. This is actually one I've wanted to watch for a while. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of been sitting in my Netflix queue forever. Played at the Sundance like two years ago, I think, maybe. I'm not exactly sure when. Uh, but it's a 2018 movie, and it's called The Long Dumb Road. And <laughs> this is a road trip movie uh, starring Tony Revolori, who is in the Grand Budapest Hotel and plays Flash Thompson in the uh, new Spider-Man movies. Yes. Uh, and Jason Manzukis, who is... The best. Um, wow, a what huge, a combo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm a huge Jason Manzoukas fan, and that's kind of the reason I wanted to watch this, because he's... I don't really listen to how, to how Did This Get Made all that often. I'll pop in every once in a while, but that's like his flagship podcast. But he appears on Comedy Bang Bang all the time, and he appears in like every comedy show at some point. Yeah. Uh, like, he played a recurring character on Parks and Rec. He was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He uh, was, you know, in The Good Place and all that kind of stuff. Like, he, he pops up in a lot of places. And The League was also like his big show uh, that he was on for a while, too. I actually went to... Uh, 
when I was at Comic-Con, like New York Comic-Con years ago, uh, I went to the League panel, uh, even though I didn't watch the League, um, <laughs> mostly because I had a lot of time to kill and also because I'm a huge fan of everybody in the League. Like, I right. should have watched the League at some point, but I never did. Uh, and it was, you know, Jason Manzoukas, Nick Kroll, Mark Duplass, uh, you know, like all these, like, big actors, Paul Shear, and then the guy who lied about being in 9-11. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was that guy. I think this was before that happened. <laughs> Uh, so there is that. Um, but but yeah, and that was one of the most fun panels I'd ever been to at a Comic-Con just because of like, the wild energy that Jason Manzoukas like, brings to everything he's in. Uh, and so I had been wanting to watch this movie for a while, The Long Dumb Road. Uh, and it was one of those things where I had like a couple hours to kill. I had no idea what to watch. I was scrolling through Netflix and then finally just settled on something. I was like, all right, it's time. Long Dumb Road. Here we go. It's pretty good. It's funny. It's, nice. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a pretty slight movie. It's Tony Revolori and Jason Manzoukas mostly just driving across the country. Tony Revolori is like this kid is going off to college for the first time and he's, you know, getting away from his small town uh, and he meets this hitchhiker played by Jason Manzoukas and shenanigans ensue. Uh, <laughs> you know, meet a few people along the way. Casey Wilson's in the movie, uh, Grace Gummer, Ron Livingston uh, and all that stuff. And, you know, they fight a lot. But then by the end, they have like a mutual respect for each other uh, and all that stuff. So, yeah, the long them road it's pretty good it's available on netflix well, well yeah well sometimes you just need a movie that encapsulates and shenanigans ensue yes <laughs> exactly uh so if you need that the long dumb road will fill that void uh i also watched uh, a movie that i really didn't have any intention on watching but it was a mike's girlfriend pick uh <laughs> and it actually ended up being pretty good I'll, I'll give her the credit for this one which i think she's seen it like five or six times uh and was kind of making me watch it but uh, the movie is love simon which was a uh, sort of like a, a coming of age romantic comedy drama that uh, was put out a couple of years ago this was 2018 uh and sort of the big significant part of this hey this movie is directed by Greg Berlanti, who uh, was the creator of a lot of the CW uh, DC shows, ah. uh, Flash and Arrow and all that stuff. Riverdale, he's also involved in and all that stuff. Uh, and this movie is about like a young kid, suburban town, like right outside Atlanta, uh, who's gay, but he hasn't come out yet. Uh, and he's like trying to, you know, navigate the fields of telling people that he's gay. And he kind of uh, starts this online relationship with the one other gay kid in his school, but he, he doesn't know who that kid is. They just kind of meet each other online and like start talking anonymously. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, a lot of the movie is him trying to figure out like who this kid is and like if they could actually meet in person and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty charming. It's a good cast. Uh, it's uh, Nick Robinson in the lead role, who was a, uh, I think the older kid in Jurassic World, uh, I want to say like, the, mm. <laughs> like remember there are two kids in Jurassic World that the babysitter's watching and then she gets eaten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the, in he, the, the hamster ball. Yeah, exactly. They're in the hamster ball hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Right. <laughs> and I think he's the older kid in that movie. He is the star of this one. Catherine Langford's also in this, who is uh, in spontaneous and 13 reasons why and stuff like that. Uh, and Jennifer Garner plays his mom and uh, man, who plays his dad? Somebody, somebody plays his to name uh, old white men, <laughs> middle-aged yeah. white men. I mean, it's not that far off from like a Gary Cole, but it's not Gary Cole. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, Ron Livingston. He seems for a pretty good candidate. Uh, also a good candidate, but that was the long, that was for the long dumb road. He's not in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he might have uh, been both. You don't know. But don't yeah, remember. <laughs> you know, I, I I realized today I was weirdly thinking about Ron Livingston today because I was like I mentioned I've watched the uh, Godzilla vs Kong trailer a few times. Yeah, and I realized that he and Kyle Chandler look a lot alike. I was like, gonna say wait. Is Ron Livingston the guy from Office Space or the guy from Godzilla vs. Kong? <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> which is which. Yeah, I mean, and Kyle Chandler was, you know, well known for Friday Night Lights and he has that kind of like gravitas to him, I guess. And Ron Livingston is more known for Office Space and he feels more like laid back as a result. I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> but like they, they both look really similar. Like if you put one of them next to each other, like I could tell them apart probably, but it, they just have the same features. It's weird. Yeah, they got, they got that Jai Courtney effect. Yeah. Anyway, Ron Livingston, not in Love, Simon. I forget who plays the dad, but the dad was pretty good in the movie, whoever it was. Uh, but this is a pretty solid movie. Pretty solid coming of age uh, romantic comedy that, uh, you know, it's uh, it was kind of a big deal when it came out just as far as representation goes and all that stuff. So uh, getting that story out there was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, so definitely a solid pick from uh, Mike's girlfriend. Uh, basically, nice. it's a solid girlfriend choice. But all right. So that's Love, Simon. Josh Duvall. Josh, oh, Josh Duvall plays the dad. Okay, there we go. Uh, that, that's what it was. Middle-aged white uh, guy. Yeah, middle-aged white guy. There you go. 
but yeah, so that was a solid choice. I think it's on Disney Plus. I think that's where we watched it. I think there was like a little bit, a little bit of a weird controversy where like they're spinning off of this show. That's this movie. They're creating a TV show called Love Victor, which is a similar like just basically the same thing, but with different characters. And it's going to be a TV series. Uh, and there was like a slight controversy when they launched because I think it was going to be on Hulu. And people were like, well, why isn't it going to be on Disney Plus Disney? And like people were like, oh, it's because it has gay characters. It's not going to be on the family friendly service or whatever. And uh, I think that's been changed now. I think the show's going to be on Disney Plus. I don't know exactly what's happening, but Fair uh, enough. I think the movie is on Disney Plus now. It might be on Hulu. I Who's think it's say? on Hulu, according to my Google, my Josh Gabriel Googling. OK, <laughs> fair enough. So that is Love, Simon. And then a couple of older movies I uh, wanted to throw in there real quick. First of all, it was months ago on this podcast that I mentioned that I had a, a disc in the mail from Netflix, which, yes, I still use my Netflix disc plan. Yep. It was a movie that had been sitting on the shelf for a long time because it was one of those things that I just never had the time to watch. Uh, but I finally had the time to watch it. You know, I had like an extra three hours to kill, basically. <laughs> like my plan that night was to you know hang out with my girlfriend. And then she got a headache and was mostly just hanging out in the bedroom, like laying down. And I was like, well, I guess I'll watch a movie. Uh, and so I decided to watch The Iron Horse, which is the uh, 1924 silent film uh, directed by John Ford. It's about two and a half hours long. And yeah, it, it's tough to find the time to like really buckle down and watch a two and a half hour silent film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, especially one that's not like a comedy, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you know, I've seen a few silent movies uh, and I think the the easiest ones to watch tend to be like the Charlie Chaplin type ones. Like, yeah, those those tend to be like I love modern times, which is more of like a silent sound hybrid. Um, but like the gold rush is up is awesome. And, you know, City Lights, like there's so many great Charlie Chaplin movies that I love. Uh, and there are other silent movies that I really like, like uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari rules so mm-hmm. good. And but, you know, like just reading the description of this movie, I was like, OK, Two and a half hour Western. Uh, and I, I, I didn't even know why I really rented it. I think I rented it because it was in my like big great movies book that I have. at the yeah. house. And I was like, OK, I like picked this one at random and got the Netflix disc. It felt like it was going to be pretty stiff, you know, and that's kind of what it is. And I, I'm fine with stiff, I guess. But, you know, when you come home from work, sometimes you can't like handle that much or I might need to split it up into two days. But I ended up watching all of the Iron Horse in one sitting. Pretty good. It's good. Nice. <laughs> it's a good can, movie. Can you tell it's a John Ford movie? It's interesting to it's actually the first major movie John Ford ever did. Wow. Uh, and uh, it's not like as refined as some of the other Ford movies. Like, obviously, it's a Western. Right. Uh, so there is that. But it, it's more in the line of uh, and I don't mean this necessarily disparagingly, but in the line of D.W. Griffith, where it is this like big historical epic. Right. right. Uh, and it's a silent film that has like many characters and they're all it's cutting back and forth between a lot of them. Uh, but the plot of this movie is pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, this kid and his dad early on and the dad wants to leave to go help. Like he has a vision that there's going to be a railroad one day that's going to go across all of America <laughs> and that kind of thing. And so he and his son go west to try to realize that dream. Uh, but then while they're out there, this white man is leading this pack of uh, Native Americans and they attack them in the night. And this one like white guy with two fingers kills his dad like kills the kid's dad okay and so like and then the movie picks up like years later when the kid is an adult and he's like seeking out revenge against the guy who killed his dad the six-fingered man yeah well uh, yeah the six-fingered man exactly (laughs) the two-fingered man really oh i see uh and yeah, so I think that concept is pretty fun. And it's set against this historical backdrop where it, the movie ends with that, like the railroad finally connecting and like the golden spike coming through mm-hmm. uh, with the, you know, Union Pacific and Eastern Central or whatever it was. I, I learned about it in history class back, back yeah, when I was like 15. Transcontinental Railroad. You got it. That's yeah. The Transcontinental Railroad. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, kind of interesting on that front. Very kind of paints American history in like an, an entirely golden light, which, as you would expect in, you know, a movie like this. But, uh, you know, get, you get swept up in some of it. Uh, at some points and there is some like pretty cool action sequences uh so the iron horse directed by john ford like more of something that like you know it felt a little bit like like film homework i guess yeah uh, in some ways but if you're interested in john ford like as a filmmaker and you know it's it's worth watching just to get context for his career especially where he went from that where which you know some incredible movies like stagecoach and the searchers and uh one of my favorite movies ever the man shot liberty valance uh you ever seen liberty valance mike that movie rules no i haven't i've heard about it obviously but uh yeah i've never gotten around to it yeah that that one's really interesting because it's less of like an action movie like a lot of other ford movies and it's more just like this drama that takes place within the town between like jimmy stewart and john wayne and all this stuff. It's it's great. Jim, and Jimmy Stewart's so good in that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that that's like a genuinely like a top 10 movie of all time for me. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance rules. So wow. good. So that is The Iron Horse directed by John Ford. Also got to break out my uh, Criterion Blu-ray of Police Story 2. So yeah. 
which is a great sentence to say. Well, you love hearing that. You love hearing that police story too has a Criterion Blu-ray, right? Hell yeah! <laughs> I mean, uh, which you know, granted, the only reason it has one is because it's a double feature with the original Police Story and Jackie Chan, director of both movies. Police Story One, I got to see a couple of years ago as part of the uh, New Year's Eve Kung Fu Marathon at the Roxy, which is the <laughs> in the theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. My first New Year here in Missoula, like the Roxy does this every year, and it's it's kind of a free event. Like if you're with like uh, Missoula first night, like they have like a thing where you know throughout town you can get this like pin and you can kind of just go to different arts places throughout town on new year's and like get in for free and all that stuff uh and so the way this marathon works it's not like an alamo draft house marathon where you got to pay for a whole ticket and like stay for all five movies or whatever Mm -hmm. uh instead with this new year's eve marathon the roxy does every year except for this past year obviously that you can kind of just come and go as you please you can kind of just like you know pop in for a movie or leave during the movie or whatever you want to do you can kind of just come in and out whenever you want uh, but I didn't know anybody here in town that New Year's. Like I had only been here a couple of months. So I went to the New Year's Eve marathon for the Kung Fu movies. There were six movies, noon to midnight. I watched all of them. Hell yeah. <laughs> and p- the original police story was the second movie that they showed and completely blew me away. It was easily my favorite of like that group of movies, which also included a lot of classics like the 36 Chamber of Shaolin. Uh, the One-Armed Swordsman was also in there. Uh, Drunken Master was also part of it, too. Uh, some really good movies there. But uh, anyway, I had not seen Police Story 2 until uh, this past weekend when I finally watched my Criterion Blu-ray of it. And uh, yeah, it's not as good as the first Police Story, but it actually has a plot, which the first one does not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like this is actually much more of a detective, like crime story. Uh, and so the action sequences aren't as bombastic as they are in the first one. Uh, and there's not as much like wacky comedy as there is in the first one. Have you seen the first police story, Mike? No, I haven't seen either of these actually. Okay. I mean, you should definitely watch. I mean, I would say I recommend both, but the first one is all time, like absolute, like it's the pinnacle of Jackie Chan movies. Nice. Uh, You know, I mean, I I love City Hunter also, but that's like less of a nothing could beat City Hunter in my mind. Yeah. City City Hunter rules. I love that movie. But Police Story feels like the classical choice for like the great Jackie Chan film or whatever. Like this is his masterpiece. And City Hunter is like this wild shit that happened like a few (laughs) years later. (laughs) This fever dream we experienced at the Alamo. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But Police Story 2 actually has a plot. It is much more focused on the actual detective work that these people are doing. Uh, But there is, you know, a lot of cool action sequences and stuff like that. Uh, And it actually ends with like this really great action sequence with Jackie Chan and three dudes in a fireworks factory. Uh, And of course, the fireworks factory does explode. Uh, So yeah, absolutely worth watching. Police Story 2, very, very good. And then finally, I watched The Car, which is on Netflix and uh, a movie that I had heard about kind of over the years, especially uh, from Pure Cinema Podcast. They've mentioned this movie a few times. Uh, This is a movie with James Brolin as like the small town sheriff in this town. Uh, He's dating this woman who, uh, you know, he's not not his original wife. They got they got divorced and he's trying to convince his two daughters that like, oh, she's actually really great and all that stuff. And then this car shows up. (laughs) Uh, and there's no driver in the car. And this car is killing people all over the town. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it, it's very much like the movie Christine, uh, but it was a few years before Christine, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and it is less Christine and more like this is Jaws, but replace the shark with a car. <laughs> I am fucking in. <laughs> yeah. You know, th- like there's even a plot point where like, you know, the car ends up like running down this like huge parade that everybody was supposed to go to. And like, you know, James Brolin is like, you were supposed to shut down the parade. And it's like, <laughs> I can't shut down the parade. The town like needs the parade for business. And oh all my that God. stuff. Like it's, it's pretty great. Uh, so yeah, it is a ridiculous movie. Uh, and, but like some of the sequences are actually like really well done. Uh, and it, it is like one of those things that, like at the time it was very poorly received. Uh, but I think has developed a cult audience over time. But there's a couple of kills in here that are like genuinely great. And like it was one of those things where I cracked open a beer and every time the car like was in the distance and it, you would see its headlights pop up in the dark, you'd be like, oh, shit, it's the car. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's on Netflix right now, which is a weird place for a movie like the car to be. But uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. It's It's the car. That sounds awesome. I haven't heard. I mean, I've probably heard of it in passing, you know, like like you said, on pure cinema, uh, but it is not one that has like stuck out in my uh, consciousness is on my radar kind of deal. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad you're going to give it that extra push to make me want to watch this movie. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's uh, definitely worth checking out. It has an insane ending, too, which <laughs> I won't spoil for you, but it's it's insane. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much all the movies I've been watching this week. And also a quick shout out to The Sopranos. Updated my Sopranos watch. I just finished season five of The Sopranos earlier Damn, today. Damn, burning through uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. Which season five, I think, is the best season so far. It is incredible. Just some really devastating choice like i i their last couple episodes of the season like really hit me <laughs> hard wow. so yeah I, I really love season five of the sopranos and my plan was to like kind of zoom through it these next couple of months because uh the many saints of newark which was uh the sopranos prequel movie that uh, david chase is working on that was supposed to be out in march but it got delayed until september so <laughs> you have plenty of time man I have a little bit of time to get through the last season of the sopranos which uh yeah season six it's weird because it's like technically two seasons, but it's like considered one. It's like season six and six a on HBO Max, uh, which they wanted like one extended final season. But they kind of split it into two parts, which like AMC started to do with like Breaking Bad and Mad Men, yeah. and Walking Dead and stuff like that. It's weird because part one of the Sopranos season six is 12 episodes. Uh, and normally a Soprano season is 13 episodes. So you're only losing one episode in part one. Damn. Uh, and, and then it's nine episodes in part two. So it is like an extended season, but it's like just a weird cut off, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I am looking forward to catching up with these last 19 episodes <laughs> of the show, I guess. So I still have a little ways to go. I like but uh, I think over the next like two months or so, I should I should have finished the show. Nice. All right. So I think that wraps things up for this week, Mike. Yeah, that's all the things we're out. Of, we're out that of is stuff. that is all the things we're out of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we will do some more discussions later. In the meantime, Mike, wait, we, uh, I don't mean later like this episode. I mean, like, you know, a few <laughs> weeks from now. <laughs> I was like, just to be clear, (laughs) the post credits discussions, you got those set up. I said we're out of stuff, Mike. (laughs) Yes. Uh, All right, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike DeCrecio. Don't forget to rate and interview the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can hit us up at Mike and Mike Go to the Movies at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the totally original Geek News Podcast, which is a podcast about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, so for our next episode, episode we'll likely be doing some let's rank which uh we hadn't we didn't really like settle on something but i think we we're kind of considering this wintertime thing right yeah let's do some snowbound movies yeah so i think next week we're going to do our top five movies that are set in wintertime the the best movies to watch in the middle of a snowstorm (laughs) uh, basically which is partially inspired by the screening of the thing that i almost got to go to uh (laughs) A couple of months ago at the Roxy Garden, the outdoor movie theater here. Yes. Uh, which uh, was canceled due to a blizzard. And I was like, I kind of want to watch the thing in the middle of a blizzard. That feels perfect. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, we'll not be able to do that. But we'll be able to talk about a lot of snowy movies next week for Let's Rank. Uh, in the meantime, our Jeff Goldblum podcast is weekly. We just released our episode on his short film, Little Surprises. And next week, we're talking Mad Dog Time, which, as we mentioned in that episode, Siskel and Ebert declared the worst movie of 1996 can't wait yeah gonna be a lot of fun and that's the end of this week's episode of mike and mike go to the movies we'll see you on the other side 